Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. group therapy and we are back with the amazing not host of the show Roshni Lumino. <laughs> what do you mean not host of the show? <laughs> not this episode. Not today. You're not the host today. I'm the host, the solo host. And I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> You're in the hot seat again cuz Roshni, you have another book coming out. The second book, uh The Error of Memory and Shadow, the second book in the series uh the series Kingdom what, Kingdom, Legacy. <laughs> Kingdom Legacy. Kingdom Legacy. Shame! I, You're the editor. <laughs> it doesn't say it on the cover anywhere. It's it does actually on the bottom. Oh, it does. Ah, okay. I'm my fault. It's okay. Anyway, congratulations. Thank you. And it wouldn't have gotten done without you. So thank you. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little bit of a biased interviewer. Yes, because <laughs> I, I I I had a hand in it. I was very excited. It was it was really fun. It's a great book. Um, if you read uh the first book then you should definitely pick this up because it's uh, much more fun uh, in the world of um, the kingdom, the kingdoms, whatever. The gifted lands. So (laughs) congratulations. The gifted lands, right. Yeah, I I read the books and edited them and I don't remember anything about them. It's okay. Uh, Yeah, the gifted lands. We're back in the gifted lands. Um, So wait, let's go back. Your first book um, came out when? Oh my gosh. So I wrote the first book in the beginning of the pandemic. So March, April, May, 2020. And it came out March 2021, and I started writing the second book pretty much right away. I wanted it to release in December, but life got in the way. And so- Still, still, it's only been a year. It's not bad. I mean, I was hoping to have a shorter uh, production schedule, but it just, life, yeah. So it uh, came out May 3rd. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I'm not going to go into plot. People can read about it online. We'll put links to it and everything on online. You can read it on Amazon or wherever, all the different places it is. Um, but let's talk about writing it because, you know, this is great. You cranked out two books in a short time. But what did you learn between writing the first book and the second book? And how did that affect your writing of the second book? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think and you would know because you edited both books. I believe I had 17 drafts of book one. And I was better this time. I only had five drafts for book two. So I must have learned something. It's funny. I'm still not an outliner. Outlining scares the crap out of me. And so this book is still very much, a, you know, if this happens, how do they react? Then what? You know, and there were I, I know the first drafts, both you and Jamie, um, who also read early drafts of the book, you guys were like, what is with all the buckets? And when you guys read the book, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It comes in the middle. And there, and you guys are just like, can we stop talking about buckets already? And I'm like, sorry. You know, so there was a lot of fine tuning that had to happen because I didn't plot things out in advance. But maybe because I was going back to the same, it's not quite the same characters, but I was going back to the same area. I was going back to the same world. That made it a little easier. And I felt like I knew more of how to connect the dots quicker. So there was less, okay. I, I know you still gave me plot notes, but I, I think when, even after you read the first two drafts, you were like, you got to those connect the dots for the plots quicker than in the first mm-hmm. book. Oh yeah, definitely. You definitely, um, 
uh, it, from beginning to end, the story was there. It was there, and it was just there were a few uh, uh, what what's going on here kind of things, mm-hmm. just to kind of little little sidetracks and a little bit of um, uh, logic, you know, thinking things through. But that's only something you could do after you wrote it. You would only you'd only be able to see that after it was written. Yeah. Did it go faster? I don't know what the time frame was. I know you had some issues come up during the writing of the second one. So I don't know if you can actually apples to apples look at how long it took to write each book because. Because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting challenge on this book. So I think let me think about this. When I wrote the first book. I want to say when did I give you the first draft of the first book? I think it was like by the end of the summer. Right. You kept threatening to give it to me, and then it took like two more months, I think. Yeah, it took it took a lot longer than I anticipated. So let's say it was like six months maximum to get you the first draft of book one. And that was with me writing fairly continuously. I might put the book down for like a day or two or three, but I was picking it up constantly. Interestingly enough, with book two... I was writing fairly steadily, and then my mom had a health scare, and that derailed me for about two to three months. And when I picked mm-hmm. the book back up, it was about mm, late September, October. So the the health scare happened in July. I was able to work on it again by, like, the fall. And I didn't—I don't know if other writers do this. I don't necessarily go back and read what I've written because that's a lot of words. You know, I just kind of remember where I was at last— and so I think that's where the unevenness happened was because I had put it down for so long. If I, if I had uh, just put it down for like a few days, I would have remembered where I was in the thread. Mm, but because it had been yeah. so long, I was like, whatever, we'll just keep going. And then you go, you and Jamie were both like, what happened here? And I'm like, hiatus, you know. So that yeah. might have made a difference, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story, like you said, is set in the same world as book one. Uh, but the uh, and it has a couple characters that we know, but it's all different characters. So it's not a series in the traditional sense where your main character is the same throughout, but it's more of the world is the same throughout. Is that it, you always planned it that way? Like, and you, and you always planned this as a series, obviously, right? Yeah. So that was a deliberate choice on my part. I do love to read. I would think any author also likes to read. Love fantasy. Love sci-fi. But I get really annoyed with series just that they just go on forever. Like some of my favorite series, I've tapped out after like book four, book seven, book 10, because I'm just like, okay, we're 25 books in and the main character has not had any resolution in their personal life. Like how much more crap can a person go through? You know, it, it gets mm-hmm. annoying. And, and I can think of so many series that I loved that started off strong. And I feel like once they hit book seven, book 10, you're just like, no, just stop, you know? Uh, so I sort of modeled this after the Terry Pratchett Discworld series, which if you've ever read Discworld, it's, and it's huge. I want to say it's like 50 books or more. It's a very mm-hmm. big series, but it doesn't follow any one main character. I think he's got four or five groups of main characters that he follows. And it's kind of, you don't have to read them in order. It's not like one through five is these people, six through 10 is these people. It's just whenever they show up, you know, in the book series. And so to me, I like that because you can pick up any book in his Discworld series and understand what's happening. And they might allude, the characters might allude to a previous book where they were all doing something, but it's very minor. And you can you can move on without having read 
20 books previous. So that's what I wanted to do for this. I wanted something where readers could pick it up at any point in the series and understand what was happening. And yeah, life goes on and people talk about things and people that happened to them in the past. But, you know, you don't have to go in and feel like they're all having one big in-joke and you missed all of it, you know, because you weren't there from the beginning. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and uh, if you read the first book, um, two of the supporting characters in the first book continue their the same job as they were doing kind of in the second book for a different for a different main character. Mm -hmm. So it kind of it's kind of gives you that connection. And and then they they do have references to what happened in the first book, but it's nothing that you would have to like. You have to have read the first book to understand what's going on. It's all very well, you know, contained. But it, I love the fact that it's still in the world. One of the, one of the, the I love reading series too because you don't have to go through that starting from scratch part of reading when you pick up a new novel um, that's completely new. When you pick up a book, if you, you it takes you a while to get into it, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like this or not. But when you read a series, you you kind of have an expectation. You know, it's th- some things are familiar, but then there are new things as well. So I think that 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 was kind of a nice. Those kinds of series are great, but you've done it a little differently. But you've uh, the interesting thing is that the the main character in book two, um, Kiernan is has a similar profession to one of the main characters in the first book, so that carried us through as well. Mm-hmm. But it was, but you put a nice twist on it, how it's a little bit different, like um, the seeker profession that we 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 learn about in the first book. Um, that one of the characters is a seeker of dragons, but in this kind, this time it's all about love, which is kind of nice. <laughs> And which brings me to my next question is, uh, why did you make um, the abilities of your your seekers, uh, there's actually a family of seekers, mm-hmm. to be focused around love? So funny story about this. During the pandemic, I started learning to read tarot. And apparently a lot of authors, I actually saw, I think it was on ISA, a lot of authors use tarot to plot out their books or at least get an idea because it's the hero's journey. In card form, if you've ever mm-hmm. if you've ever looked at a tarot deck, the major arcana is the hero's journey, and as authors, as scriptwriters, we know what the hero's journey is, right? And so mm-hmm. I was laying out the cards for my character, and this is what I came up with: that you know he was a nobleman, and he had a gift that went awry, and it had to do with love. And I already knew I wanted twins, so that's not a spoiler in there. Um, so that also played in but it was cool to just have like a very small framework and I could just go from there you know like I said I'm not a huge outliner but with book two I was like I really don't know where to start and so being able to do that really helped and apparently Stephen King does it so if Stephen King can do it I'm in good company wow yeah that's crazy because uh you have no idea what you're going to get I've heard of people who have writer's block or are trying to create stories using different kinds of randomized cards or tools to create a story and here you're using a set of tarot cards which has its own methodology and practice to it and history so it's almost like it mystically is telling you what to write that's kind of creepy (laughs) itself maybe i should do that for all my outlines i don't know maybe i'm gonna write a book but i'm gonna have a ouija board write it for me (laughs) better than ai right yeah i just need to find a spirit of a writer to, to do the writing for me just Oh, one letter at a time, write an entire entire novel. But then you'd have to share royalties beyond the grave. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if I can ask the spirit to write in screenplay format, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
so the era of memory and shadow is going to be available on all kinds of platforms, but you're self-publishing it again, as you did the first book, mm -hmm. right? Yep. How did that go with the first book? How was that process? I have learned a lot. I did not know when I self-published my first book, all the things that had to go into it, little things like formatting. I re had to reformat the whole book, the first book. So for the second book, I when I wrote the manuscript, I made sure it was already in the formatting it needed to be so uh, I didn't have to. Yeah. So I think, I don't remember, I think I sent you the PDF, but when you got it, you were probably like, why didn't she indent? Why did she do that? Because it was ready to, to format as it uh, was. So little things like that that save you time. And also promotion. Because I didn't realize when I did book one, with a book, you need a lot of promotional lead time because people have to read it. They have to write reviews, you know, all this stuff. Whereas with a film, it's two hours. They can just watch it like the week it comes out, write a review and they're done. So you don't need as much lead time. And I kind of had treated book one like I was releasing a film and it shot me in the foot. It really didn't do anything uh. for me. So when this book was coming out, I decided I wanted, they have these things called book tours, virtual book tours. Obviously, pandemic, it's not like anyone's really, I think people are beginning to like tour physically, but it's very, it's very sparse. And I think it's for like the big, big authors. So yeah, where'd you, where would you go though? There's like hardly any bookstores left to do a, yeah, a tour in. Right. I mean, I don't even know if bookstores are open because of the pandemic. Like you'd probably have to think about, you know, maybe this has restrictions, but this state doesn't like, I don't even know, you know, without extra support. Like if I had to put a tour together myself, I'd be like, oh my gosh, no, you know? So um, I decided to do a virtual book tour and I picked a company that had a month long option for Air of Memory and Shadow because I wanted that long lead time to do it. And it sort of worked out really well. I went with two different promotional companies and I did a week-long tour for Air of Amber and Fire in March because that was the one-year anniversary of its release date. And then uh. I went and did the month-long tour for the second book. So it was kind of cool to be able to, like, piggyback on them. It just worked mm -hmm. out for the timing, you know. Oh, I didn't plan okay. that, but it worked out well. And what happens, what, what kind of things happen during this tour? Well, with a tour, it really just depends on who the reviewer is. So a lot, it's actually, as as far as, touring quote-unquote touring goes you as the author have very little what's the word you don't have to expend a lot of energy I mean I know that sounds really horrible but it's kind of nice like the tour company does everything they find the reviewers they make the artwork they set up the schedule like they do everything and all you have to do the bare minimum you should do is when a reviewer says hey I reviewed your book is retweet it or post it on your social shout out to sure. them that's the bare minimum like with um the tour company i went with for uh amber and fire which is called escapist tours and they were amazing shout out to justin thank you so much he created some amazing like instagram artwork so i just made sure to schedule the the instagram quotes that he had created the week before the tour so people knew it was coming so and every tour company is different like as far as what they give you for promo materials that was just like a beautiful thing he gave me was all that artwork and with the, with the pull quotes. So, and I didn't have to do anything with it. Like he could have made the art and I could have just sat on my thumbs and not done anything, but I wanted to give myself as much visibility as well because they were putting in so much time. You know, I wanted to support them as much mm -hmm. as they were supporting me. 
So a lot of the blog was, a lot of the blog tour was um, reviewers blogging on their sites and then I would retweet it. And then I did do one live interview with a YouTube vlogger, Which I guess I, would be the one. I watched, yeah. Yeah. That was good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for mm-hmm. tuning in. So that was with well, I didn't do I didn't tune in live. I had to watch it delayed. Sorry. I know. And I kept shouting you out, too. I was, like, trying to, like, sell your services. But, yeah. So that, that live interview was with uh, Raul Reeds on YouTube. And he was great. So. I saw one of them, one of the social media posts, they actually animated your book cover, which is so cute. It's like little far- sparks flying around oh, and stuff. Oh, was... yeah. Yeah. And one tour, uh, one tour, one vlogger on the tour had this really creative idea. You know, those like choose your own adventure videos that people do where it's like, uh-huh. if you like this, choose video one. If you like that, choose video two. So she did a quiz and we had a lot of fun because since I did the voices, obviously on the audiobook, I just re-recorded the characters she she gave me a script of what she wanted each character to say so if you took the quiz like at the end of it like what the character would say so i just ah. recorded all the voices for her and she put that on oh video. cool yeah. that's great so, so you have a little ideas. collaboration there yeah, yeah yeah i know these things are kind of like uh slow boil kind of thing but do, have you seen a, a uptick in like followers on social media or i don't know if you want to talk about book sales or hits on your website have you have you noticed any uh like results from this yes to all of them um good it's great it's small you know it's not like you know crazy viral numbers and you have to maintain it <laughs> i'm not always the best at maintaining but i have noticed a small uptick in followers and sales and in uh newsletter subscribers and for me like when i went into this i did a lot of research on these tours it's not, I mean, it's a bonus if you sell, obviously, but for me, I wanted more visibility because if people don't know who you are, they're not going to buy your books. So, and at least now I have two books in my catalog. So if people are like, oh, I really like this one, I can check out her other one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, you're hoping to get exposure for maybe an actual publisher or or maybe some someone trolling, you know, book sites looking for the next IP for their film franchise. That kind of thing, right? Yeah, or I'll write the film myself. <laughs> if you want to produce it, I'll write the film myself. <laughs> of course, when I was when I was reading it and editing it, I kept seeing the the scenes in my head. I'm like, oh, I know how this scene would look, and um, so I hope it, I hope they become films because they'd be really cool as films. You know, it's funny on the tour. Uh, I'll, we should link it in the show notes. Her name is escaping me, um, but the one that I did the voices for. She was like, do you have any artwork of the characters? And I said, no, but I can imagine like who the characters would be if I cast them. And I went oh, yeah. down the rabbit hole. I had way too much fun casting my own book. Oh, I, I'd love to hear that. I have to go back and read that one. Yeah, I'll find, I'll find the email. I'll send it to you. It was way yeah. too much fun of casting the characters in my book. So when's, when are you starting on book three? <laughs> I, it's already going. Yeah. Oh, great. Awesome. Maybe 4,000 words in. I have an idea of where I want it to go. So that's really the biggest thing is I might not know the middle part, but I know what will happen and I know the ending and I just have to get there and connect the dots somehow. So. Yeah. So as a novelist though, now um, and being the co-host of a writer's podcast and a writer's group, um, does it feel weird to not be screenwriting as much or you know, it's funny. I'm still pitching uh, scripts. I still am. Yeah. And 
I feel like it's a good discipline to go between back and forth because when you write a script, you get to the point, right? The whole the whole joke mm-hmm. about, you know, how come in American cinema, they don't say hello, they just pick up the phone and they're like, you know, Miller or whatever. Like, they, you know, as opposed to like in real life, when you pick up the phone, you're like, hey, this is Johnny Miller. What's up? You know, so it's interesting. It's a definitely a different discipline. It forces me as a novelist to be the cinematographer and the actor and the writer, you know, cinematographer and like, what does it look like? That's something you drilled into me, right? You'd be like, describe the characters, describe the scene. Because I wasn't doing it because I was so used to relying on somebody else in a script. Right. Or, you know, as the actor, okay, what happens to the character here? How do they react to this thing? And then, of course, the, the craft of writing. So it's forcing me to use different hats, which is nice. I mean, I don't know. Writing's writing, right? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I think they're kind of very different. They I, are different, but it's it's good sometimes to use your brain. The idea like that. of when you talk to novelists and they talk about writing fifty thousand words, I'm like, wow, I can't even get you know a hundred pages, you know, that have a couple hundred words on them done. You know, it's it's a uh, it's it seems like a, a daunting task. So I give you lots of credit for that. I, I think it's fantastic. Do you prefer one or the other? Have you have you found one? being more fulfilling than the other since you've done both i think the nice thing about writing a novel is that it really is all on me like it's daunting and it's nice and the fact that like i don't have to try to like incorporate a bazillion people's notes into it or worry about a budget or worry about locations you know so that that is nice in that sense that i can just write whatever i want Mm mm-hmm but I do love the collaboration of screenwriting and like seeing it on film and working with, you know, your director or your DP or your actors. And again, sorry, I just realized. So going back to your other question about just using the different parts of my brain, one reviewer actually made a comment about how I kept talking about things that like you could imply that they were happening off page, like them eating or something. I, I forgot. I have to look at the thing. It wasn't a bad review. They just commented about like, I described things a little too much as like, and now they're picking up a, a spoon or whatever. And I thought that's me being a cinematographer. <laughs> Cause I felt uh, like I had to explain what you were seeing on camera every moment instead of uh, just, like, assuming that you knew that they were doing that thing. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really funny. It, it, it kind of clicked something in my head. Like, Oh, maybe I don't need to explain everything. Okay. You know, yeah. Well, cool. Well, I have to definitely uh, definitely add all these um, reviews and all these uh, podcasts and stuff to the show notes so people can go check out, you know, your adventures in uh, book touring. What's what's next after? Uh, well, I guess we got book three you're going to be working on, but what else are you working on? Anything else exciting coming up? Book three, book four, I have ideas for. <laughs> uh, I've got ideas for a duology, working on some script pitches. And yeah, I think that'll carry me through the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> the are you playing any D and D? Because didn't some of this come out of your D and D experience too? Book one did. Yeah, I'm still playing. Yeah, still doing that. I wrote a one shot for the first book as a tie in. I might do the same for the second. I'm not sure. It, it's not hard to write a one shot. It's the game mechanics that kind of were hard for me because I'm not as strong in game mechanics as I uh, am in like the storytelling. The, for those of us, for those of us who aren't D and D nerds, what's a one shot? Oh, I'm sorry. A one shot is basically 
it's like okay so when you play you can either do what is called a homebrew where you're basically improving the whole campaign or you can uh, play off a written game module which like has the story outline and it doesn't say like it gives you room to improvise but it it basically outlines like here's who you know you're meeting and here's the land and here's the troubles and uh, you know so it, it makes it easier for people to get into it because they don't have to imagine everything off the top of their head gotcha. and so i wrote a tie-in that was set kind of in between book one and two. So it assumes, you know, what happens at the end of book one, but it's not a deal breaker if you don't. And okay. uh, yeah, but the game mechanics of like, is this role okay here? Like that was what tripped me up, but like the story itself, I'm like, this is, that's cool. Yeah. I know. I know we've talked about developing games before, but that's like really cool that you, and with D and D the game exists. Mechanics exist. So you just have to know how to write f- for that. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, you can, Maybe the I was gonna say maybe it'll be one of those pages in the back of your book that talks about get the D. Remember at the back of I, this is funny. Remember at the back of books when they had those promotional pages. Oh my gosh, yeah, like rip I, this haven't, page I out haven't picked up a book in. in. I haven't picked up a physical book in so long. Uh, it's like, um, uh, but yeah, they used to have like promotions for future books or other series mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It seems like that would be something that would be at the end of your your book would be download the the game one shot or whatever for for <laughs> D&D players. And you know what's funny is that one shot I wrote it. So Justin who did my first tour, he suggested why don't you do a D&D one shot as a tie-in because like your book came out of that. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's a brilliant idea." And I wrote it in like a week. And that was ah. really daunting. I wrote it in a week. I had a friend who's a better dungeon master than me look it over and we play tested it really quickly. But like the actual like basic framework of it, I was just like staying up until like 12, one in the morning, you know, typing it out to just because I, I was on deadline. I was like, I need to get this off my plate, mm-hmm. you know. So it was funny. Writing under cool. deadline. Best way to write. Yes. I always write better under deadlines. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on your podcast, Rashni. <laughs> thank you, Tom. <laughs> you are a wonderful guest. <laughs> Where can people find you besides here? Oh, you can find me on... <laughs> and your books. Yep. Uh, I'm online. Roshni.net is my website. You can find me at Roshni Lamino, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, I guess we'll spell it R-A-C-H-A-N-E-E.net or R-A-C-H-A-N-E-E-L-U-M-A-Y-N-O. That is also my author name, and that's how you can find me on Amazon. So, heir of... Amber and Fire, book one, Air of Memory and Shadow, book two. So all formats are available, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, pretty much wherever you buy your books, audiobooks, or ebooks. Okay, cool. Thanks again, and check out Roshni's books uh, uh, at your favorite uh, digital book place, uh, and follow us on social at, at WG Therapy um, on Instagram and Twitter, and writersgrouptherapy.com. And we'll see you next time.